Al-Hasana Basrahimahullahu Ta'ala said, He who has no manners has no knowledge. He who has no patience has no religion. And he who has no God consciousness has no closeness to Allah. He who has no adab has no ilm. He who has no sabr has no deen. And he who has no taqwa has no qurb to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, the first thing here is linking adab to ilm. And this is something that our elders or the ulama, the mashayikh, were very, very careful about. In fact, their whole books have been written on the type of adab or adab a person of knowledge should have. Now, although those books do literally pertain to people who are full-time seeking religious, sacred, Islamic knowledge, at the same time, those of us who might be full-time university students but are trying to pursue Allah SWT knowledge part-time, whether we're doing so through a formal study program or whether even we just come once a week with the niyat of learning some type of knowledge that increases us in our love for Allah SWT, in our awareness of Him and in our amal of the deen, Whatever type of knowledge we're doing, whether it's part, whatever type of religious and sacred knowledge that we're acquiring, whether it's part-time or full-time, this saying would apply to us that he who has no adab, she who has no adab, has no ilm. In other words, the bab of ilm, the door to knowledge, the gateway to sacred knowledge, is the adab uh, that a person is supposed to have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or the adab a person is supposed to have towards this knowledge. What does adab mean, right? Now there's one, you know, standard way of viewing adab, which is that, uh, you know, we're going to be polite, we're going to have good etiquettes. In this particular case, what's the real adab towards knowledge? The real adab towards knowledge is that we seek it for the right intention. That we are acquiring knowledge about Allah, about His religion for the right intention, which is number one, is for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That that is our number one intention. That I'm existing in a state of ignorance, and that state of ignorance is displeasing to my Lord. Therefore, I will set forth to try, try to increase in my sacred knowledge, to acquire knowledge, so that I be, can become less displeasing, I can become more pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second intention in acquiring knowledge, which is part of the adab of ilm, is that we acquire knowledge for the sake of implementation. Right? For the sake that I want to practice this knowledge, I want to internalize this knowledge. I submit myself, I want to submit my thought process, I want to submit my emotions, I want to submit my very being to the ilm of the deen, I want to submit my very being to every verse of the Qur'an al-Kareem and every hadith of the beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa and really if you think about it, if we understand that this is the meaning of Adam, then we can understand why Al-Hasan al-Basri said that that person who has no other will have no ilm. In other words, that person who doesn't have other will not be able to benefit from ilm. Will not have al-ilm al-nafi, will not have knowledge that benefits. The second thing that he mentions is that he who has no patience has no deen. That person who has no sabr will not have any deen. 
and we have discussed in different venues different meanings of summer, right? Perhaps most relevant to us is that type of summer. Not the normal type that we think of that we are able to bear calamity, hardship, adversity with patience and fortitude, but that type of summer which means a persistence, right? Persistence on the deen, because without persistence, without some type of istikama, without some type of drive, it's very difficult for a person in this day and age to maintain their deen. What happens is that we will waver, we will waver from one state to another, we will waver for a moment in which we feel religious and a moment in which we feel distant, we will waver from moments of obedience to moments of disobedience, we will waver from moments of reflection and remembrance to moments of heedlessness and absent-mindedness, we will waver between moments of worship and moments of sin. So this is the type of suburb being meant here, that to, in order to become firmly established on the deen of Islam, in order for the deen of Islam to be firmly established inside of us. We need a type of perseverance, a type of sever that probably perseverance, istikamat, is the best way to understand this, right? And that is very difficult, right? It's very difficult to persevere in anything. In fact, many of us really have this problem that we are not people of perseverance, period. It's not something that affects our deen, we are just not people of perseverance. We are not people of regularity, we are not people of consistency, we are not people of constancy. Especially the youth, right? And I think in some sense, especially the youth of Pakistan, it's less so amongst the girls, more amongst the boys, but really it's very difficult to find a person who is very determined, very regular, and is very determined to seek out the object of their desire, right? And that's really how people have to be when it pertains to their deen. Especially for those of us who have allowed ourselves to become distant from Allah subhanahu wa and His Messenger. Right? So it takes a lot of perseverance, it takes himma, it takes strength, right? it takes resolve. So that person who doesn't have that resolve, doesn't have that perseverance, might not be able to maximize their deen, might not be able to reach the deen. In fact, Al-Hassan al-Basri said that he who has no patience has no deen. Right? Another way to understand this is using the second meaning of patience and that is as follows that adversity, not when worldly difficulties befall us, uh, not patience, not when worldly adversity befalls us, but patience when we fall in the deen, right? To have that particular type of sabr when we lapse into sin, that particular type of sabr when we lapse into neglect, right? If we don't have that sabr, if we're only willing to follow the deen as long as we're successful, and the first time we make a mistake, we become badzan, we have su'izan, we become despondent, we have despair. If we don't have patience with our own shortcomings, and our own inabilities to be consistent in deen, then we'll never arrive on deen. Right? Because the second we slip, the second we fall, we'll just give up. And this is something also that has become increasingly prevalent. Right? That we become saddened at our lack of success. Right? So let's say there's a person who tries to pray, all of a sudden they stop praying. Why? Because they say that my heart, you know, I just didn't feel like praying. So a person of perseverance, a person of sabr would say, okay look, but this is not acceptable, this is not tenable. This is in violation of my prime directive. So I'm going to try to figure out what am I doing, or whose company am I keeping, or what gathering am I going to, or what am I learning, or what am I thinking, or what is it that has removed this inclination towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I won't let the disinclination make me sad. It won't lead to inaction, rather it will lead to proactive action, then I'll be all the more proactive in how I 
can I extricate? How can I remove myself from this situation? That is a very big type of sabr, right? That takes a lot of determination, a lot of willpower. Otherwise, basically, most of us have become, you know, we'll do something if it's easy. And we want easy success. We want quick results. And that doesn't happen actually in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't get instant results. You will do something and you will not get instant gratification. That is the nature of the dunya. The dunya promises instant gratification because that's all it has to offer. The deen promises everlasting bliss, which is far more than instant gratification. But sometimes, right, when we do something for the sake of Allah, we don't get instantly gratified. We don't get an immediate reward. We don't find an immediate benefit. We might not even have an immediate pleasure in doing so. So that is a particular type of sabr as well. To do something even though you might not instantly, immediately get the reward for that action. To do something for the sake of an unseen Lord. To do something for the sake of an unseen pleasure that attains to that Lord. That if I say, okay, I should do this because it's pleasing to Allah. I don't see that pleasure. Nobody's going to inform me that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was pleased. Right? But that takes a type of sabr. Right? That no, I have that level of patience. I'm patiently waiting for that day in which I get to meet my Lord. Right? So that is something we did today in Islamic spirituality class. We talked about this word shawk, lika, irada. That a person has a longing or yearning to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Allah SWT mentioned this in the Quran as that person, man, that person who has raja, who is hopeful, who is hopefully expectant, who is yearning, who is waiting for the lika, for the meeting with his Lord. Right? That takes a lot of patience, right? To put up with this world, to go through this world, and to be, and to let this thought carry one through this world. That no, one day I'm going to meet my Lord. And I want to make sure that I meet my Lord in a state that I am pleasing to Him and that He is pleased with me. But that's it. That's the beyond end of my life. It's very simple. I want to meet my Lord in a state that I am pleasing to Him and that He is pleased with me. Right? And the third thing that Imam Hassan al-Basri mentioned is that he who has no God consciousness has no closeness to Allah. He has no taqwa, has no qurb. And we mentioned before that taqwa and qurb are basically two wings. They're lazim and malzum, they go hand in hand. Right? Rather taqwa and zikr are the two wings that bring a person to qurb. Taqwa, God consciousness, fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and zikr and remembrance and reflection upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lead to the closeness of Allah, to Him. Right? And what does that mean? Right? Because sometimes we find people or sometimes we might find ourselves thinking that no, no, I'm close to Allah, but I don't need to have taqwa. Or I'm close to Allah in my own way. Or I experience God in my own way. Or I have my own relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, that's not really, I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't put us on earth to devise our own method of having a relationship with Him. Right? If He did that, then there's no need for the deen of Islam, there's no need for the Qur'an, there's no need for the sunnah of His beloved messenger. Always remember this, always remember this, you should, you know, engrave this on our hearts. That if we want to come close to Allah, even the possibility of attaining Allah subhanahu wa is His Jamal, is His beauty, is His grace upon us, is His Rahmah upon us, is His mercy upon us. That He is so kind to us that He has even allowed us to be Qareeb. That is an incredible grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? That He says in the Qur'an al-Kareem, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ 
that know that I am kareem, that I am close to you. In another verse he says, وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ That know that I am akrab to you min hablul wareed than your own jugular vein, than your own carotid artery. So even the very imkan of kulub, just to make that mumkin, right, that a person could feel intimately close to their Lord, is nothing more than the incredible beneficence, incredible fuzzle and karam and grace and generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has other attributes. His azmat, his sha'an, his jalal. And so they demand that even though his grace has allowed us to attain his qurb, his nearness and proximity, there must be a particular way of doing that. That qurb cannot violate his sha'an. And so the way his majesty and sha'an comes into this, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed that we can approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but... But we have to do so on His terms, not on our terms. That's the shart Allah SWT has put. Allah SWT said that I am ever close to you. I wish you to draw closer to me. However, the only way that you can draw closer to me is on my terms. So if we think we can draw closer to God on our terms, it's not possible. Because that is against the azmat, the sha'an, the majesty of Allah SWT's maqam. What we can do is we can try to draw closer to Allah SWT on His terms. And this is true for everything. Whether it's good, whether it's ilm. We have to know Allah SWT on His terms. We have to worship Allah SWT on His terms. We have to pray to Allah SWT on His terms. We have to know Allah SWT as He wishes to be, Himself to be known. We have to worship Him as He wishes to be worshipped. We have to love Him as He wishes to be loved. We have to draw near unto Him as He wishes us to do so. Right? And that's why Imam Hassan al-Basriya is saying that it's not possible to attain the qurm of Allah without taqwa. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed that the way a person draws close to me, I will bestow my qurb, I will open up my qurb, my intimate nearness to that person who is conscious of me, who is fearful of me, who leads a life of piety, a life of righteousness, a life of remembrance, a life of reflection, a life of worship, a life of obedience, a life of love, a life of fear. Right? All of those things right, are encapsulated in the word taqwa. The Hassan al-Basri Ta'ala in his saying mentions three things that each and every one uh, is you know, deeply relevant to us in this day and age that we have to beg Allah SWT to make us people of adab, to make us people of taqwa, to make us people of sabr so that we might acquire ilm, so that we acquire the deen and so that we acquire the qurb or the nearness or proximity to Allah SWT. Then Ibn Hajar al-Skalani in his book then mentions another saying. And sometimes what these mashayikh do, the first thing that we mention is what we call the hikam, or an aphorism or a statement of hikmah or wisdom. Another thing that sometimes that has been recorded and transmitted from our elders are their munajat, their du'at, their supplications to their Lord. So he writes that it is reported that Abu Sulaiman al-Darani said in his supplication, about the Day of Judgment that O oh my Lord if you ask me about my many sins I will surely ask you for your forgiveness and if you ask me about my miserliness I will surely ask you for your generosity and miserliness here bukhul is not in terms of dunya it's bukhul in terms of a'mal that I was miserly I was stingy in the good acts that I did I did the bare minimum that I needed just to scrape by I was stingy in reading Quran I would read it very rarely, even when I read it, I would read it just a few pages. 
I was stingy in making dua to you. At best I would make dua for a few minutes and even that I would do that every now and then. So I had bukhal, I had miserliness. Allah, if you ask me about my miserliness, I will surely ask you for your generosity. And, Ajib, and if you make me enter hell, I will inform the people of hell that I love you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you make me enter hell, I will inform the people of hell that I love you. Right? And these are the strange du'a that these people had, is that they believed, right? This was their statement about hell. They would actually say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it would be, it would befit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely. It would be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's haqq to put us into the hellfire. Why? Because we have been so disobedient to Him, we have become so distant to Him. Right? They never viewed themselves as mustahik of thawab or mustahik of jannah that somehow they had made themselves deserving or they had earned. However, they felt that even if we go into jahannam, we will go in the same state that we are. And so even if that state is as follows, that even though we've been inadequately be true, we've not been able to be true to our emotional state, our emotional state is one in which we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in which we proclaim that love for all to hear. So Abu Sulaiman al-Dalani rahimahullah said that, Oh Allah, if you make me enter hell, I will inform the people of hell that I love you. Right? And this is something, again, that we've been doing in class pertaining to qasb and wahab. Right? Qasb means that a person has their own ikhtiyar. Right? That we do whatever is in our ability. And wahab means that we ask for the bestowal of divine grace. We ask Allah Taala to do whatever is in His ability. And really this is a way we can make dua. That Allah Taala, I've done everything that I can. Now I ask you to do everything that you can. Allah Taala, I've tried my best to extricate myself from this particular habit. Now I ask you to use your own might, your own power, your own grace to remove me from this habit. So oh my Lord, if you ask me about my many sins... I will surely ask you for your forgiveness. And if you ask me about my miserliness, I will surely ask you for your generosity. Right? Particularly here being your generosity in granting me Jannah despite the miserly deeds that I have brought with me on this day. And if you make me enter hell, I will inform the people that I love you. Sayyidina Alid used to say that be in Allah Taala's estimation the best of people and in the estimation of your nafs, the worst of people. And in people's estimation, just a man from amongst the people. In other words, that we should try to make ourselves in such a way that in Allah's eyes, in His estimation, that we are the best. And when we look at ourselves, when we analyze ourselves, when we value ourselves in the estimation of our own nafs, we should view ourselves as the worst of people. And in people's estimation, we don't want people to think of it as the best, nor do we want people to think of us as the worst. But in people's estimation, just a man from amongst the people. In other words, nothing extraordinary. Just an ordinary common person, unrecognizable, indifferentiable from others. Right? And this is something, I mean, that many in many cases we have totally gone the opposite, right? First of all, in the estimation of our nafs, we view ourselves some of us view ourselves as the best of people in the sense that there's nothing wrong with us or what we do is we relate ourselves to others that I'm just like everybody else right? I'm ordinary so what if I do X, Y, and Z everybody else does X, Y, Z as well so what if I'm not able to do X, Y, and Z 
the vast majority of people are not able to doing so. So if we set the mainstream majority as our benchmark, right? Then you know there might be many of us who feel that we're comfortably within that mainstream majority, but that's not a benchmark that we're supposed to hold ourselves up to, right? Again, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said in the Quran two very very big things. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has set an incredible benchmark for us. Number one. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu attaqullaha haqqa tukati Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu o you who believe ittaqullaha have taqwa of Allah be conscious of Allah haqqa tukatihi as it befits Allah Taala's rank and majesty as it is Allah Taala's haqq and right over you that you should have taqwa now that's a very high mayar of taqwa that is not something that we can content ourselves that we're like the mainstream majority the second thing is لَكَنْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولَ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةً حَسَنًا That verily you have for you in the example of the beloved messenger وسلم, a noble model an uswatun hasana a beautiful model Now the Prophet setting the sunnah as our mark setting the sunnah as our model means that we cannot content ourselves by comparing ourselves to the masses or to an average person or to an average student or to our fellow lum students or anything like that and this is a, this is a golden principle that the elders have always mentioned that in terms of our dunya we should always look at those who are below us because if we look at those who are more unfortunate than us in the dunya then we will feel gratefulness to Allah we will feel gratitude towards Allah we will be thankful to Allah subhanahu for all that He has given us however in term, in contrast if we look in dunya and look at those people who are better than us then there's a risk that we will be discontent with what we have or we might have hasad, jealousy, envy for what others have. Conversely, in matters pertaining to the deen, in the deen we should always look at those who are above us, those who are better than us. Because then it makes us reflect on how wanting we are, how inadequate we are, or how much more potential there is to a human being in terms of their spiritual relationship with their Lord. How much, how far we have yet to travel. And we shouldn't look at those who are below us. Because if we start looking at those who apparently might be below us in the deen, then that just causes many problems. Number one is even viewing someone as below you in the deen is problematic. Because we have no idea what the state of this person's heart is. Perhaps even though apparently in terms of their adherence to the sharia outwardly, or in terms of their outward acts of worship, they might seem to be quote-unquote below us. But it's quite possible that in their heart, the, the love for Allah subhanahu wa they have in their heart far transcends the emotions that we have for Allah in our heart. So the first problem is that even to characterize somebody as below you. Number two is that when we look at them, then what happens is we become content. We think that, okay, look, so-and-so doesn't pray, or so-and-so prays once a day, or so-and-so uh, you know, comes to a talk once a month or once a quarter, so at least I'm better than them, right? At least I pray regularly, or I do this, or I observe Islamic dress, or I'm this and I'm that. And that leads to feelings of contentment, of vanity, conceit, pride, and arrogance. So Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu wa karamallahu wa said that be in Allah subhanahu estimation the best of people and in the estimation of your nafs the worst of people and in people's estimation just a man from amongst the people. Notice that we don't even want, we're totally uninterested in makhluk. We don't need to be recognized them by them, we don't need to be praised by them nor would any denigration by them benefit us in any way. Right? What do these three sayings have in common. So the first is Sayyidina Hassan al-Basri, 
The second was Abu Sulaiman al-Darani And the third is Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu Right? Well, the first thing in common, which is why Ibn Hajj Asqalani has put them together, is that this is in his chapter on what he calls uh, Council in Threes. The Sihat, different things that people mention in threes. Al-Hasana Basri mentioned three things. Abu Sulaiman al-Dalani mentioned three du'as. And Sayyidina Adarana also mentioned three things. The second thing that they have in common, right, all of them, is basically, you know, all three of these sayings are pointing to a type of change, right? And pointing to a hope. And really, it's human nature that we are only really bringing about change in ourselves when we have hope, right? And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it clear in the Qur'an al-Kareem that we should have hope in Him. وَلَا تَقْنَتُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهُ وَرْحَمَ الرَّحِمِينَ That you should never despair of the mercy of Allah for He is the most merciful of the merciful ones. Now why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked us to put hope in Him? The reason for that is that if the object of our hope or the source of our hope is Allah, then our hope will be immense. And therefore if hope is linked to change, if our hope is immense, then we will be able to bring out immense change inside of ourselves. Because that is really what the deen of Islam asks, right? It is a very fundamentalist religion. It asks us to change the very core of our being. It changes us down to our rudiments, down to our, fun, our fundamentals, our foundations, right? And that is immense. The power of Islam is phenomenal. We just haven't tapped into it, right? And the only way we'd be willing to submit ourselves to this incredible, powerful agent of change is if we have an equally incredible, powerful source of hope. And that source of hope is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable all of us to have the ability to become people of adab, to become people of taqwa, to become people of dhikr, to become people of sabr. May He grace us with His forgiveness in light of our many sins. May He shower us with His generosity uh, in despite uh, the killat or the paucity of our good deeds. May He save each and every one of us from any type of punishment and disappointment in the Akhirah. And may He enable us to have contentment of the heart. Wa akhirah da'wana. Wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhana rabbi alameen. Wa alhamdulillahi sallallahu sayyidina Muhammad. Wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammad. Wa barik wa sallam. Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam takfillana. وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين اللهم إنا نسألك حبك وحب من يحبك ربك في المرحم أنت خير الراحمين يا الله يا رب كريم يا الله we ask you for a heart that is soft Ya Allah, we ask you for a kalbi munib, a kalb that has inaba. We ask you for a heart that is inclined towards you, inclined towards your worship. Ya Allah, we ask you for a heart that is inclined towards your remembrance, inclined towards your re- reflection. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you for irada, we ask you for shok, we ask you for ishtiyak. 
Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you for desire, for longing, for yearning for you. Ya Allah, let there be nothing more desirous to us than earning your pleasure. Let there be no being or object of yearning to us that transcends the amount of yearning that we have for you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you to increase us in our love for you. In our love for the beloved Messenger, Sallallahu In our love for all those who love you. In our love for all those whom are your beloveds. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you for a heart that feels. We ask you for a heart that lives. We ask you for a heart that is awake. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to remove the darkness from our heart. We ask you to remove the illnesses from our heart. Ya Allah, we ask you for a healthy, sound heart. Ya Allah, we ask you for that ni'mat uzma, that kalbun salim. Ya Allah, we ask you for a pure and untainted heart. Ya Allah, we ask you for a kalb that is zakir. Ya Allah, we ask you for a heart that remembers. Ya Allah, we ask you for a kalb that is khashir. We ask you for a heart that is humble. Ya Allah, we ask you for a heart that is reflective. Ya Allah, we ask you for a heart that is untainted and pure. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you to shower your rahmah, your mercy, your karam, your fazl upon us. Ya Allah, and forgive us for all of our sins. Ya Allah, forgive us for all the many sins that we have committed. Forgive us for the transgressions. Ya Allah, forgive us for the deceptions. Ya Allah, forgive us for the delusions. Ya Rabbi Kareem, forgive us for the lies that we have lived. Ya Allah, forgive us for the lives that we have lived. Ya Allah, forgive us for the lives that we have lived that have become like lies. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, forgive us for this false life. Ya Allah, we ask you to guide us. We ask you to shower us with your hidayah. We ask you to enable us to understand the haqiqat of insan. Ya Allah, we ask you to enable us to understand the haqiqat of iman, the haqiqat of islam, the haqiqat of ihsan. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you to make us amongst the mu'mineen, make us amongst the muttaqeen, make us amongst the zakirin, make us amongst the tawabeen, make us amongst the awabeen, make us amongst the sabirin, make us amongst the... Khaishin and Khashin, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to make us amongst the Musalleen, make us amongst the Abideen, Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you to adorn us with all the Sifat of the Mu'mineen and the Mu'minat. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to enable us, we ask you to turn our hearts, to incline our hearts towards the Sahabiyat. Ya Allah, we ask you to increase in our love for the Ummahat and Mu'mineen, we ask you to increase our love for all of the Sahabiyat. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to enable us to walk in their footsteps, to follow in their example pattern ourselves after their model Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem Ya Allah we ask you to transform us in a way Ya Allah transform us from the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet in a way that is pleasing to you Ya Allah we ask you to change and remove each and every attribute from us that even incurs the slightest displeasure to you Ya Allah we ask you to enable us to hasten ourselves to acts of goodness acts of worship and acts that earn your pleasure Ya Rabbi Kareem from the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet Ya Allah drown us in the Quran Sunnah and Sharia Ya Allah and remove all the obstacles that we may be facing in following our deen. Ya Allah, remove the obstacle of our nafs, remove the obstacle of shaitan, remove the obstacle of our own laziness and our own feeling of helplessness and inadequacy. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to restore to us the kuwa of our iman. Ya Allah, restore to us the strength and power of our iman. Ya Allah, make us people of determination, make us people of resolve, make us people of perseverance, make us people of strength. Ya Allah, make us people who are of pride. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, make us people who are strongest and most complete Muslims in every sense in the world. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, those of us who might be sick, 
greatest sihat kamila ajna mustamirra the most complete perfect and lasting form of health ya allah those who have any worries any difficulties in this world ya allah we ask you to remove all of those worries we ask you to remove the causes of those worries ya allah we ask you to remove the sins and transgressions that we commit that are causing our worries ya allah we ask you to replace those worries with sukoon and itminan from your behalf ya allah we ask you to restore to us the halawat of iman the sweetness of iman ya allah we ask you to restore to us the lazat of ibadat the pleasures of worship ya rabbi kareem ya allah decree for us that the the most pleasing thing for us in this world is that which which, which entails your remembrance and your worship. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, those of us who are young, Ya Allah, those of us who are young, Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us pious spouses who will guide us closer towards the deen. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us a pious spouse who will help us in our deen, who will be good for us in our dunya, who will be noble for us in our akhirah. Ya Allah, we ask you to enable us to guide us to that relationship, that spouse which is best for us in terms of our akhirah, best for us in terms of our deen, as well as good for us in terms of our dunya. Ya Allah, we ask you to save us from the hasan of the hasideen. We ask you to save us from the shar of the ashrar. Ya Allah, we ask you to save us from all of the evils and all of the evil wishers and the evil enviers. And yet in the beginning, we ask you to put barakah in our life, put barakah in our studies, put barakah in our ilm, put barakah in our zikr, put barakah in our ibadat. Ya Allah, put barakah in our family, put in our future, put baraka in our risk. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask you to shower your barakat upon us. And Ya Allah, we ask you to purge us of our a'mal and our actions that are deflecting your incredible barakat and your bounties and blessings. Rabbana taqabal minna innaka anta samiyul alim. Wa tubu layna innaka anta tawabu rahim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi sayyidina Muhammad. وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين